Did you ever see that movie? The, the one where there's the cowboy and he's like the king of the castle. And then this astronaut shows up and he tries to take over. And so the cowboy attempts to murder him. But instead, the astronaut is taken hostage by the, this evil psychopath. And the cowboy has to rescue him. And then they end up becoming really good friends. Toy Story? Oh my God, Toy Story, that's it, that's it. I love that movie. Oh. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Chums. We're not doing the joke anymore. So this is season two. And we don't have any more Star Wars films to watch. Boo. But as you know, if you were listening to our last episode of season one, you will know that we're now doing Pixar films, which means we go all the yeah. way back to, what, 1995? 90... So, yeah, so just after well, I was born. It's not as Star Wars ones. Um, no, it's not. So, yeah, we're doing Toy Story. And we've had to shake up our roles a little bit because we don't have a resident Pixar, Pixar expert and we don't have a Pixar newbie, really. And no. we don't have a casual Pixar fan and we don't have someone who wasn't really into Pixar before they met the Pixar expert and then became something of a Pixar expert themselves. But we do still have our token woman. Yes! Yay! Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously, as we said at the end of last season, um, Noor has briefly less, left the main cast. She's now a special guest star. Been killed off. Um, <laughs> for we produced this, her contract. Yeah, so... For this episode, um, Noor has been replaced by two people, and those two people are my parents. So we're going to go around the table and introduce ourselves again, and then my parents will introduce themselves at the end of the list. So, hi, Rob, you remember me from season one? Hi, I'm Andy. You may remember me from such episodes as <laughs> all the Star Wars ones. Um, yeah, I was the Star Wars expert last year. I do love Pixar films. No, you're like, I horrible. love them. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm not any kind of expert on them. I'm really looking forward to this, though, because it's been a lot longer since I saw most of these. Well, I mean, all the Star Wars films, I've watched them all in the past year anyway. With these films, some of them I haven't seen in getting on 20 years. So, yeah, excited. Um, I'm Jake. I was the person who liked Star Wars but was dragged into it kicking and screaming <laughs> I like Pixar everyone likes Pixar is there anyone who doesn't specifically like Pixar films I had friends at school who did tell me that they weren't into Toy Story and we didn't exactly they say that because they, out, but... they say that because they want to be edgy Rob it's not what they actually <laughs> think maybe um, I can understand why there's no like massive Star Wars expert because I guess Star uh, massive Pixar expert because I guess Pixar doesn't inspire the same crazy fandom as Star Wars yeah, not as I think it probably well I think it probably does inspire oh, wow. that kind of people on Reddit tried really hard I think <laughs> it probably does inspire that kind of fandom it's just because it's not one thing but, yeah. unless you yeah. unless you subscribe to the Pixar universe theory yeah. well yeah hi man Rob's rebel mum had to get that joke <laughs> yeah. yeah you rebel mums um, and as for Pixar we're on my level I couldn't join you in Star Wars because nothing will ever drag me into it kicking and screaming or otherwise Pixar, right up my street. That's that's where I belong. Pixar, Disney. Okay. That's yeah. Me. Um, and my my dad is also here as well. I mean, that wasn't the initial plan, but we felt bad. Like, <laughs> like we were just going to leave you sit in the garden. Yeah, we weren't just going to make you watch the film and then not have you know. If like you say, you know, a couple of glasses of wine and you might want to actually have something to say about Toy Story. So. All right. Well, uh, uh, hello to everybody on this forum. Uh, I'm David, Rob's dad. Um, I suppose my claim to fame would be that I actually saw Star Wars first time around in a cinema. 
Um, so there we go. Uh, that just made you old, not God famous. damn it, I should have got you in. I should have got you in. I know, why didn't one. we have you and, in that? Oh. Um, as far as Pixar goes, um, I uh, could also say that I'm pretty well up on the script, especially uh, Toy Story 1, the original um, story, because uh, Rob would want to watch uh, that episode at least five times before 10 o'clock in the morning every morning at the weekend so we're pretty i'm pretty well up on the script uh, i've seen all the others enjoyed them immensely all the way through so uh, yeah let um, let the discussion commence yeah i suppose um i mean the only reason i've actually brought i mean it was like i had to make kind of an executive decision because obviously once nor steps aside and moves home to london and becomes a special guest star you have to think about how Nora is replaced and the only way to really replace her for this episode was to because I think with Toy Story it and I think I'm right in saying it was the first film I ever sat through yes so when I was maybe three maybe four years old something like that I'd say three yeah so you know I think it, it's it's kind of strange because it, I think that the, the Toy Story trilogy actually means and Pixar in general actually means a lot to our family and I think it would be wrong to just do it as us three because I have seen this film maybe into triple figures and I would apply that to really? Toy Story wow. 2 as well. Wow. Because a lot of times. it got to the point with Toy Story 2 where I knew every word of every scene. and You did with Toy Story 1. You, you Even as a, I, a I think my memory's yeah. a little hazy now. But yeah, but as a toddler, you anticipated every scene. You knew what was coming. There was nothing about that film you didn't know. Yeah. I know Toy Story 2 better than Toy Story 1. For whatever reason, I watched that much more as a child. Toy Story 1, I'm less... Well, that would be because Toy Story 2 is the better film. I think so. But we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, we will get to (laughs) that. And we should clarify as well in regards to replacing them that we're basically tending to have I got news for you from this point on. Not literally, that would be hideous. But I mean, <laughs> well, just in that we're, we're, we're having a d- change of panel every week. Yes, no, guest I'm stars. Not. And yeah. I'm enjoying having Rob's parents as our first guest stars because it means we'll have many embarrassing stories about Rob to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Should we end every episode with an embarrassing story about me around the time that the film was released? <laughs> oh, let's do that. Until we get to the third one, then it will be an embarrassing <laughs> story about me. <laughs> Run all the way up to Incredibles 2 because I'm sure I've done something embarrassing recently that you can put in. <laughs> But um, I mean, I should just clarify. Generally existing. Uh, I should clarify. <laughs> Nora hasn't gone to London because me and Nora split up. By the way, she just finished uni. Like you know, I la- don't like the, the idea. Original of, four that's Rebel that's the PR story that we're putting out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I don't like the idea of replacing Nora either. She's merely a temporary removal. Yeah, I she don't, hasn't I don't feel I can replace her. <laughs> <laughs> it's an alternative. Panel. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, we're being replaced. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought these Nora costumes for you. Nora <laughs> <laughs> face masks. <laughs> As long as they're not north sized, otherwise I'm not fitting in it. No. <laughs> but yeah, I reckon we just dive in unless anyone else has anything to say. No. No, let's do it. Bring it on. Excellent. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are code red. Recon plan Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a it's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Ooh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah. ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw. 
me again. I don't like confrontations. Fast look an alien. Where? Ah! <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 This holiday season, the adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Can. All right, we're back after Toy Story, and then also my food, <laughs> which kind of delayed the discussion a little bit. So I hope we can all remember. I mean. I took the initiative to write notes down. Okay, Rob. So Okay, Gilly, well, swat in the corner. As I always do. I've not written a note for this whole series. And no, it's true. I've had many things to say. That's so true. Sure I fine. was going to write notes, and I thought that would make me look old and forgetful, so I didn't. Well, every second you're writing a note, you're not watching the film. <laughs> uh, well, I watch out of the corner of the, my right eye and then use the remaining three quarters to look at my notes. But I just, I feel like we've jumped back into this, but usually we just kind of go straight to Nora and go, what did you think of it? What was your favourite scene? Yeah, this, I was, was going to say this, this is the first film that we've all seen. No one's new to it. Yeah. We've all seen it already. Yeah. Hate that dynamic shift. Ugh. <laughs> um... So, yeah, where the hell do we go from well, here? What we usually do is our favourite character, isn't it? Yeah, okay, so favourite character, right. Uh, we'll start with you two. We, what we usually do is we usually ask Noel what her favourite character was. Okay. Or who her favourite character was. So, we'll jump to you two. So That's um, like asking me to choose between children. I mean... Well, that's what we're asking you to do. Yeah, but... Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter, because usually if you don't pick someone, then we usually try to pick somebody different so we can analyse. I'm going to go slightly off field and go Bo Peep. Bo Peep, really? Wow. Interesting choice. Because she makes Woody do the most hilarious things. Oh, all the faces he pulls when he's been and kissed the and the nonsense, yes. <laughs> and and she, she never lost faith in Woody when everybody else did. And that she has for the adult humour with her innuendo. She does, she does, yeah. I yeah, love the uh, yeah. I'm only a few blocks away. I've never noticed that joke before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that, I think, is one of the fun things about watching it again now, when you're all adults, because we've only ever seen it as adults. Yeah, And true. all the, like, the Mr. Potato Head with his lips on his bum. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those kind of things yeah, those, went past you when you were very yeah. small. And it has been a long time since I've watched this film. Mm. Like, I'm talking years. Um, and a lot of those jokes, like, I've, yeah. I've never noticed before, so it was interesting. Yeah, watching. nothing passed me by. Yeah, this time. It's not just yeah. the jokes as well. Like I'll get into more later, but there's like there's a lot of stuff in this that works differently. As and tonally, adult. it feels yeah. different. So, yeah, it, it feels yeah. different as an adult. Yeah. But yeah, do you think that Bo Peep is kind of at the center of that kind of typical thing that Pixar do, where they manage to make it work on a level for kids and adults? Yes. Is, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I love all of them, but I'm going to choose Bo Peep just because nobody else will. Um, <laughs> okay. Moving it around the table. I think you're missing out on Mrs. Nesbit. <laughs> Tell yeah. me that yeah. worked. Yeah. I think there's depth in that character. <laughs> <laughs> All two minutes of her. 
Well, you know, you know, she doesn't have much screen time, but she really steals it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mrs. Nesbitt is sat having tea with what are the two characters that oh, she's um, supposed to be having? Marie Antoinette. Which are actual real people. Is Mrs. Nesbitt also a real person? I think Buzz had to get into method acting there. He had to go uh, and think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Is, Mr. is Mrs. Nesbitt a real person? Or is it just a meme? That's never occurred to me. Hollywood stars and celebrities. What are no, they, what not that it matters. I mean, it is a children's tea party. I'm sure you yeah. can mix up a fake Marie Antoinette, her little sister, and a character that doesn't just, actually exist. I just realised that the Marie Antoinette doll has no head. Yeah, yeah it's obviously I didn't been... even realise that. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, it's one of Sid's handiworks, I think. And also one of the many jokes that you can sort of like. That's what I mean. I never realised that joke. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is, is Sid's sister actually reenacting what she hopes her life would be like? Because all she has is Sid as. Well, and you never see the parents anyway, so is that that's true. Father, Does Sid you have see the parents? Front, asleep in front of the telly. Uh, yeah, oh, with yeah. an upstairs living room. Oh, and I think the mum um, shouts to the um, his sister at some point, doesn't she? She shouts, yeah. but you never see uh, her. Sid, your pop tarts are ready. I'm I'm just still on the Marie Antoinette tea party because I just realised that means she's probably letting them eat cake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on this. I was thinking that but there was no cake on the table. That's true. That's true. Imagine oh, uh, and also they drink the drinking imaginary Darjeeling. How expensive is Sucking down Darjeeling with Well, we got a lot of depth for Mrs. Mrs. Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Yeah, exactly. Excellent character. Yeah, yeah, um, Jay, what about you? <laughs> oh, that's a difficult question. Um, I'll say Sid. Because, Sid. Yeah. Why not? He's an interesting. He's clearly the villain of the piece. Um, oh well, yeah, yeah. And he's a very interesting villain. Is in he that. a villain or is he just misunderstood? Yes. I want to ride the pony. Well, this is the thing, right? Is that he's. Are we getting into a discussion about like toxic masculinity? No, it's just like the th- the thing is like I, I, when you watch this film as a kid, Sid is like horrible and you hate him and and he's scary. I, I, this is what this is what one of the things that you see differently as an adult that you know. I mean, I'm not obviously a parent myself, but you, you see a kid as a kid now, and you realise, well, he's not scary. He's just a little kid who likes, you know, doing some sadistic things with his toys, but he's not, like, pure evil. He gets scared at the end, and he doesn't hurt any people. It's, it's strange how, I mean, like... Not like I have sympathy for him or anything, but he's... He is just a kid. I don't know, at the end the of the day. Not, uh, okay, what, what little so... kid um, has no parental control, which he doesn't, you never see them, Where's he getting his money from for his rockets and Well, deliveries? yeah, there is that. Who lets their child put that many locks on the inside of their door? <laughs> mm. I mean, but come on. Yeah. It's not a real, it's not um, a proper childhood. There are no parental controls. How he, old is he supposed to be? He clearly he seems, has trouble. He seems to be a bit, a bit older than Andy. I think yeah, a bit like older 13, than Andy. Yeah, like 13, maybe 12. I, I just think Sid makes an interesting villain because it's... Obviously, it's a kids' film, and it's set in a kids' universe, and you only really ever see or interact with toys or kids, and so they have to make the villain a child. Yeah, which uh, makes it more interesting. Every yeah, but when kids they go, Sid, well, yeah, well, they yes, will, but they'll see the same similarities. I mean, when they go to Pizza Planet, Andy's there with his mum and his little sister. Mm. Sid's there on his own. You well, know, he might be with his parents. Yeah, but you think they're as absent there as they are at, at home. I also not, think as well, Sid is the human character we come to know the most. Yeah, we get to know him better than we get to know Andy. I mean, we, we obviously we sympathise with Andy, but Andy's kind of like... In How the much do we actually of... see of Andy? Well, well this is the thing, and that yeah. it's sort of about the parents, is that basically every time we see Andy, his mum is with him. She's obviously very hands-on, and he's got this very happy little life with his mum. 
And since parents seem to be entirely is this absent, is this Pixar making a point about parenting? I think so. Yeah, I think I think that's very clearly there. But yeah. I like the fact that Andy doesn't have a dad. Yeah. Mm. Whether well, he whether true, he yeah. exists, does the dad turn up in the second? Film? Um, there is, I believe, an official backstory about this, which is that um, the reason Andy is so attached to Woody is that his dad died and left him Woody. I believe is the backstory. God, I think. I'm not sure whether that's a fan theory, but I've read that quite a few times. So. Well, that would fit in yeah. with what we later learn about Woody in, in mm-hmm. later films. Yeah. And oh, yes, it does would. Does he have a Wikipedia? I don't know if they go as deep as Wikipedia. Star Wars characters having names. and. Mm. Andy has one very present loving parent, and Sid has two very absent parents. Mm. Yeah. Who give him Pop-Tarts for breakfast. A mum we never see, and a dad who's asleep on the couch. Yeah. I also think as well that if, if there's one thing that now come to it as an adult and want to get to know more about this world, something I was kind of wanting to see more of was Andy and Sid live next door to each other, but obviously they, they never interact. They never interact. And then I was thinking, well, actually, maybe that's sort of there. Maybe a bit of a subtext here that Andy always plays in his own room on his own with his toys. Is that because Sid is always playing outside and he doesn't want to play with Sid? Oh, and Sid was the kid's neighbour and was not invited to the birthday party. And he was, yeah, exactly. He yeah. wasn't invited to the birthday party. Maybe, maybe he's a bit so older. D- so is Andy scared of Sid and that's why he's always in his room playing mm. with toys? Maybe that's how the toys have become uh, so scared of Sid as well. Like they've kind of learned their, their, they've learned their behaviours from yeah. Andy a little bit. Uh, what about you, favourite character? Well, for me, it's Rex. And that's Yay. purely because um, I can't deny how similar I am to Rex. Um, that he's he's um, in- incredibly over emotional and anxious. Um, he well, has, his, has, his heart in, has his heart in the right place, but he's very very clumsy. I was going for terrifying, but I was afraid I'm just coming across yeah. as annoying. He's very he's he's very big, and I'm you know I'm very tall as well. But he but and he wants to be cool and wants to be intimidating, but he's just not. He's he just really clumsy Rex. and nicey-nice. <laughs> and I see a lot of myself in Rex. And I just think he's always he's always been um, my favourite character just because he's so funny as well. I always found him really funny as a kid. He is funny. Yeah. Probably just his clumsiness I always found really funny as a kid. But it's yeah. the fact that he tries so hard yeah. and nothing ever comes off for him. He's very earnest and he doesn't mean anyone any I mean, harm. He, he just gets carried the away. Yeah. The uh, baby monitor just hits the <laughs> yeah. deck and then they can't get the batteries back. It's a what? What is it? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think he's uh, even funnier in Toy Story 2. Like, we'll come back to him there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love him in this, yeah. Um, I feel bad not picking Woody, to be honest, but mine is, um, I'm going to go for slightly more obvious choices. Buzz, 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 Oh well, yeah, Buzz probably. gets a more interesting story as well. Which is weird yeah, because watching really it as does. a child, um, Woody is um, not nearly as like mean and horrible as he is now watching it as an adult. He's horrible at what, times. Yeah, really, watching it the really first time, yeah. you kind of see Buzz as the foreign presence who's disrupted the order. But yeah. what's actually happened is that Woody has actually completely overreacted. Yeah. yeah, and Woody has actually become but his own. Do you not think that's because uh, Woody actually reacts like a child? Well, yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he reacts in the way that he tells all the other toys not to worry about, which is just that, like, he's telling everybody, like, because no one's threat. getting replaced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not. He's yeah. so arrogant, and he's become, like, no one's getting replaced, it's fine, whatever. And then he gets replaced, and then he has to go on the journey. But with Buzz, it's... I don't know. I, feel, I mean, his storyline is quite dark. It's like accepting that everything is meaningless and being okay with that. 
And yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's absolutely that existential crisis that he goes through. Oh, when he's where he falls the TV on the floor and, his eyes and come everything, off. everything from that sequence Ooh. where he's watching the TV, finds out that he's the, the guy he's been arguing with for so long has was right about him that he is a toy that he's not some space ranger. He can't fly, and he can't fly, and. And he only has a little light that blinks. And yeah, and all of that that Woody's been saying to him has just been proven right. And it's all just from this advert on TV. And you can see it reflected in his helmet and just, he goes through this mad crisis. And then obviously there's the Randy Newman song in it as well. And he's like, no, you know, this is ridiculous. And he, I don't know, just the way that he falls and then his arm breaks and it's really sad yeah really sad. No, it is yeah. but and then i mean the he gets his moment at the end where he the kind thing of... that makes him nicer than woody is even in his moment of despair he's not so selfish that no. he doesn't realize woody's predicament and he knows he can get him out of it no, exactly oh, yeah, I mean, totally. the whole thing is like the whole the film is basically like you know especially if it comes through in woody it's about this worry of being replaced it's about this worry that you are you know, you can be dispensed, you can be gotten rid of, and I think that's what Buzz realises when he realises that he's not one of himself, he's one of a million others. And you never see any other Woodies, ever, anywhere, in any of the... Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do you? On Woody's Roundup in Toy Story 2, you see, presumably, a different Woody on the TV. But is that not the Woody? I mean, it's never, it's never really... You never see... Well, no, he's a toy off that series, that's why... There's no Woody's so though. That's because he was a 1950s series. Because that's because that's how they end up in the museum, isn't it? Because they're so yeah. rare. Yeah. So like yeah. Woody's never had to deal with the fact that he's one of a million. He's just he is just one of himself, and like it, it's fine. You know, nobody can replace me because there's nothing to. There's no better version of him. Like Rex is constantly worried about um, being, you know, replaced, the, being replaced with like a more dangerous dinosaur. Mr. Potato Head wants a Mrs. Potato Head. There's like there's bits of the franchise. There's like it's a. It's, it's, it's like merchandise, whereas Woody is not necessarily merchandise, he's more of an artefact. Whereas, like, Buzz comes in thinking that he's this one space ranger and the only person who can defeat Emperor Zerg. Nice little drop in there. Also with Al's toy barn in the advert. Yeah, yeah. But then he has to come to terms with the fact that he is just like everybody else. And him and Buzz and Woody's storylines kind of intertwine in that little moment where Woody's giving him the pet talk on the desk... Because um, Woody has to sort of... I don't think it comes from a place of desperation. I think it, I think Woody's quite sincere when he says it, when he's like, no, you're not a space ranger, but you are a toy, and you're a very cool toy. Well, I think it starts off that Woody and you're an amazing toy. saying it out of panic because he needs him, he needs to get him out of a slump. But so then he starts to believe him. it. But then when he starts to talk more about it, he starts to realise... And he re- Yeah, and he does, and it, it teaches Buzz in a way that, yeah, you are one of many others like yourself, but why doesn't that doesn't stop you from being the best version of that, or at least of yourself? But even though he's, one, he's one of a million, he's got Andy's name on his foot. Woody, yeah, he's Woody part. knows that that marks him out as special. And yeah, that's, yeah, it, that's Buzzy's moment of realization. Makes him unique. His yeah, so yeah. yeah, Buzz, 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 like you to the rescue is my favorite character. Well, I'm, I'm disappointed no one's gone for Mister Spell. The interesting thing there, Spell uh, Trash you, Can. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole issue with Buzz. Uh, and the story that he goes through. I think you've done totally the right thing there by distilling it down to the messages of like, 
you're one in a million, but you're unique and stuff like that. And it's it's, it's this is the thing about how it's not like Star Wars, what you were doing last year. It's like these are these are kids' films that are not really meant to be looked into in too much literal detail. And I found myself for quite a while thinking about the literal. Imagine finding out that you are a toy. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. How terrifying would that be? And then I realised, hang on, no, it, we've just got to forget about it. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things that would just hurt your brain too much if you think about what that would really be like. Like, considering that, I think Buzz handles it very well in the end. He's over it in a few hours. Oh, yeah. Realising that he's not a real person and he is a child's plaything. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I... Um, <laughs> I mean, do we have anything more to say about character in general? I mean, I feel bad not really having a close character analysis of Woody, but I feel like we've kind of done that with... The thing is, Woody's like Woody's the straight man, really, isn't he? He's the foil to everyone else's wackiness. It's yeah. he's, he's an interesting character in that he's quite clearly set up as a protagonist for the film, um, but he doesn't really become a hero until the end. Really, until he has to, until well, he accepts when he, Buzz and brings him on yeah, side. and he, yeah. the you know Woody and Buzz are sort of heroes together. It's not really. Well, a, that's why they share the final shot. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a nice um, film about the two halves coming together to make a. A whole, yeah. yeah. I think I'm, if you... I'm saving my other favourite character for one of the later films, just so you know. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. From from Toy Story, but from favourite Toy character Story, in a later, right? In one of the later ones. Um, I guess we go back to the beginning then. Yeah. yeah. This is now the part we've discussed character. This is now the part where we talk about sort of like the first half an hour act of the film, and then we move to the middle and then the end. Well, half an hour is the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's so bloody short. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say that first act probably ends with them going to the gas station. I, yeah, I think that's where it ends. Second act ends at some point overnight between uh, where... I think, it's, the, I think it's, the convers- it's that conversation, yeah. And then the, everything afterwards is the final act. So at yeah. the beginning, what kind of struck me was this kind of like... It's something that we were told when we were writing stories in school and learning how to tell stories in school and that you always start with an action sequence and it grabs people and they kind of riff on that a little bit where it's like a fake stick yeah. up at a bank they do that yeah. in all three films yeah, though don't they it's clever yeah. it's it's sta- it starts with an action sequence but it very clearly gives you the premise that these are toys and that the whole film is yeah. about toys and the lives they inhabit and stuff well the way so they clever. managed to build an entire universe in one bedroom because in, in the first 16, 17, I think, actually, I think it's 25, 26 minutes or something like that when they leave to go to the gas station. The whole film is just in in, in the bedroom and, and then and then in the front room, yeah. downside, uh, downstairs. And so they manage, I mean, they one of the key things that makes this film so good is that the animation of uh, the imagination of the animators is just as vibrant and active as a child's imagination. I mean, obviously, they have to put more effort into that because a child's imagination is naturally just more like. I mean, I don't want to say imaginative, but, but you know, but they managed to make an entire universe out of yeah. a house, and every, every, that opening scene gets right in. And five, you spend the first five or six minutes just like. This is amazing. Like you know, just this big grin on your face, and I had a lot of this. It's not, it's not disappointment, but kind of, you know. Sometimes the memory cheats a bit when you look back on these things because, like, there there are so many moments when I was watching this now where it's like, God, as a child, that seemed so much bigger, or that seemed so much yeah more huge and stuff. And I I think that 
Yeah, it's almost like your imagination is bigger as a kid. That maybe because it you, be it's harder also... to grasp the full picture of things. Could... That I imagined. I seem to remember there being so many more people in this film and so many more yeah, environments. Yeah, and could... It's a very small film. That could also be because we've had more Toy Story films now, so we're just it could be. used to bigger concepts and more modern versions of Toy Story. It could be, but I am like I. I seem to remember there being like a house full of kids at Andy's party. I seem to remember there being like fifty kids like everywhere. There's not about five of them. And like yeah. Pizza Planet, I seem to remember being this like awe-inspiring arcade universe. It's just a room. <laughs> it's really weird how like yeah, your memory exaggerates things as a kid. But do, do you not think that that is true in reality? Yes, absolutely. If you, if you could yeah. visit the arcade you went to as a kid, they are just rooms. Yeah, Drink, exactly. And this is this exciting. film is an element of my mm. childhood and it's subject to all the stuff. Mm. I mean, I think I, it, it's strange how... In this one, how many of the early shots, and I mean, they continue throughout the film, but a bit less than the first 10 minutes, where quite a lot of them are from Toy's Eye View. Mm. And I think that's, they do a good job of directing it that way to make everything seem bigger. I mean, everything obviously seems bigger when you view it from lower down, but they, that's how they manage to do it. Like, they make this entire universe out of this little bedroom, and it's just a few cardboard boxes that make this, like, Western village. With like a saloon and a school, yeah. and and the um, cows that are drawn on a box. Yeah, yeah, and you know they, they do such great work with that because it's hard. I mean, I find it impossible now, but I imagine they were about what they were in their late twenties, early thirties when they made this, like yeah, John Lasseter yeah. and people yeah. like that. They really, really must have to work hard. I mean, obviously, I guess they had kids themselves, and it becomes a little bit easier when that's maybe comes into play, but. They're older than me, and they've managed to tap into something about childhood that I've, I've completely lost touch with. Well, go on, go on. I think imagination, though, is pretty much having a wild imagination that seeps out in the film is a staple of all of Pixar's films, really. Yeah, um, absolutely. So obviously, that's probably a theme that we're going to come back across when we're watching not just other Toy Story films, but other Pixar yeah. films in general. And I think the way that I mean. It, I suppose just to bring you two back into the discussion, it's quite weird looking, noticing things now, like um, Bo Peep saying that, I think when you're a kid, you look at Toy Story and you look at Bo Peep and Woody's relationship at the beginning and there's enough visual cues to know that they are together like mummy and daddy, mm-hmm. like with the lipstick all over his face. But the I could get someone else to watch The Sheep tonight and things like that. Like, yeah, Have no. you waited for years for me to understand this joke? Well, yeah, then... because we, we used to snigger at all the jokes that were aimed at us, and they just went across your head. Well, every, not just you, but every, every child's head, because they weren't meant for you. They were put there for us. Whilst they've not lost their imagination and they can see what children want... They know that the adults have to go along too, and so they put stuff yeah. in there for us. I mean, the one that I really had never noticed before was the um, "What's with him?" laser envy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, even when his mother um, joined the party, comes out of the kitchen, and the soldiers have lined themselves up, and she stands on one, and she just brushes them all off with a foot. Every mother in that room was going yes, because. <laughs> And also we're thinking, hmm, is that how they got there? Because we've all been through that moment where you've been told to clear them away, you think they've been cleared away, then you step on something, you find something. Did the toys put them there themselves? Just putting it out there. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly every child had an excuse for having their toys on the floor. Yeah. They did it themselves. Yeah, I didn't leave them there. The only thing I noticed that was a bit ropey, I mean, we kind of said at the beginning, but the animation doesn't look as bad as 
people say they remember it to be. No, that's the thing. No, the no, humans I, all look fine. I, I remember it being brilliant because, yeah. you know, you, you don't notice quality of animation when you're a kid. And I assumed, because it's now 23 years old, and I, I seem to remember from another time that I watched it that it looks a bit ropey, but I thought it looked really good. To be yeah. honest, I think it looks fat, but then I come from a generation where puppets had strings, and well, we, exactly, we didn't yeah. see them. Yeah. It's such a leap If forward. we were to compare that to Toy Story 3, or one of the latest Pixar films, or there, there is a massive difference in quality, yeah. to the point where it, sometimes it looks like a video game from 2005. Yeah. Like... Um, I must have rose tinted specs, because I really <laughs> don't notice. Things like... It's just little things, like... The, um, a lot of the stuff that they um, drop the quality on is stuff that you wouldn't usually focus on anyway. So things in the background, like the trees, yeah, quite a lot of the furniture looks a bit weird. The furniture looks strange. Yeah. Um, some of the, for example, what I really noticed was the, um, you know, the truck that Woody's at the back of and gets crushed by that box. Yeah. The window of that truck, the texture is so low quality and like it's yeah. so strange. Like it's little things that appear in the film for a couple of minutes quite clearly have a lot less effort than things like the main character's models and the bedroom, which has got the nice reflection on the floor. Mm. Um, um, one thing I noticed about the graphics is um, the shadows and, and the line quality is nowhere near as good as it is nowadays. No. So like all of the characters, even when they're walking on the floor, they sort of just look like they're floating a little bit rather than actually being well, on that's, the floor I because they've not got proper shadows. Shadows and depth, that's sort of, that's your line between something looking pretty and something looking real isn't yeah. it that's how you make something look well, truly real if, if you want to get technical about it you use a process when you're animating called ray tracing which I mean, which is why it takes so long to um to generate a film using computers um because every ray of light is um calculated of where it's bouncing and what shadows it's making um, oh. and where it's going which is why it takes like hundreds of hours to render one of these films if not thousands of hours and lots of computing power but ray tracing was such a new concept. In fact, Pixar with Toy Story was the first ever film to do anything like that with lighting. Um, and obviously, because it was such a new technology, it just doesn't look that good. But it increases dramatically in quality as we go through. And for, for the time, it's you know incredible. Mm. Mm. It's 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 as big a leap for filmmaking as I think. This is a nice little segue back into last year. It's as big a leap for animation as Star Wars is for live action films mm. I think that well it's not by, by, by about 15 years after this film 2D animation had gone extinct entirely and because of Toy Story 3D animation it's, it's, it's a is. much bigger leap than Star Wars for live action films because this is literally the first 3D animation well film. I just meant in terms of you know in terms of yeah in terms of technicalities it's not it's, it's not a, a case of a majorly involved I know what you mean though in terms of like Star Wars being like a blockbuster event filmmaking a blockbuster special effects film yeah it's bizarre though because I was one when this film came out Um, and so literally my entire life has always had 3D films in it so I can't imagine um, living in a world where 3D animation is not a thing no but you lived in a world where 2D animation was a thing you spent your whole childhood well it still is but it's no it's not In, in Hollywood 2D animation the last 2D animation proper Hollywood film was The Princess and the Frog nine years ago. Haven't okay. been any since then. Yeah, but it's if it does happen, it's treated as a niche. Like, for example, The Book of Life is rendered in 3D, but it's a 2D style film. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, and Princess and the Frog was done as a 2D film, but it was done as a stylistic choice. Obviously, they didn't have well, to that's do what it. I mean, that it, it to, yeah. 
to engage people with nostalgia. Yeah, it had already gone since long before then. Yeah. And that was the very last sort of Hollywood studio film. And now that's gone entirely and kids have been born into a world in the last 10 years where Toy Story is taken for granted because every film looks like Toy Story now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what do you make of the first 20 minutes then? Or half an hour or so? Everything up to the point where they get to the gas station essentially. No, it's always been enjoyable. Um, the only adult you have in it, you never see her face. Yeah, uh, if only for a second. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, do, you do in later films, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Well, she yeah. actually because she. Well, you do at the end of that one yeah. when the, she sat on the sofa in the new house. Mm, the but at the beginning, right. it's all like say yeah. from Toys Eye View. You yeah. get a nice shot of the array of leggings that she owns. <laughs> yeah. which... Well, that's a bit like um, Tom and Jerry. Mm. Yeah. It is. You only it ever is. saw the bottom half. Yeah, of you never see the kids' faces, do you, at the party? No. Here's the thing, right? That I was trying to think about what it is about toys like what this sort of link is obviously kids and toys is a, is a link anyway but I, th- I think the way that they handle the whole idea of it to make it relatable to kids is that toys who are these small people who don't fully understand the, the world that they live in in this world of kids who are bigger and have their own world it's basically the same relationship that kids have to adults mm-hmm. is what toys have to kids mm-hmm. and that's that's how I feel like the film always situates you that with the toys they only see the kids from really low down yeah. they never really understand where they are like when Andy and his mum leave them at the gas station like to a kid if that if an adult left them at a gas station that would be like oh my god end of the world we're lost as they say yeah and the toys behave with Andy like kids do with their parents mm-hmm. yeah and um, one thing that actually struck me as a bit not odd, but I remember the scene at dusk with the eight ball happening way later in the film. Like it seemed way later, but it breezes right to it in like twenty minutes. Mm. Well, I, I think, think everything the... feels. Com- I think I would have appreciated compact. another scene between Wood, uh, Woody and Buzz. I was nearly going to say Wood and Buzzy then, but um, <laughs> between Buzz and Woody, before that happens, because it just. It's very quickly, like, you know, they do the flat, they do the full style scene. The montage. Don't you think, yeah. though, it's about that the. We talked about it only being in the one room. And an awful lot happens, and you go a long way without ever leaving the bedroom. Yeah. But it's because it's a children's film, and they have to get from A to B as quickly as they can. Oh, yeah. And because you can convince them of that easily. Yeah. With the montage. Yeah, you can, yeah. Sure. You can sell that to them very easily. So okay, that's what they've, done. Buzz they've, now. They've, run, yeah. they've run through it so that attention span is held but yeah. frankly I think that's a good thing because this film being so quick and so compact like it's only an hour and 20 minutes well an hour and 17 Stunned, minutes to get yeah, to the credits, credits yeah. but it doesn't feel that short when you're watching it because so much happens yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it, like just like just thinking about everything that happens in this film like if this film was made today you can guarantee it would be a two and a half hour film uh, <laughs> Or if um, New Line Cinema got their hands on it, it would be split into four <laughs> different parts. <Yes. laughs> but you, by a, the time... A, an unexpected journey to Sid's house. Yeah. <laughs> by the time they, they leave the bedroom and they get lost, though, you've already you've already bought into it. You already care what happens next. Mm. Yeah, And absolutely. that's also yeah. something that's really important. I think a lot of it actually has to do with the scene where Buzz is exploring the bed and then Woody comes and then obviously the rest of the toys follow because that's a really good chance in a really short space of time for the filmmakers to force the characters to play off one another now that a new sort mm-hmm. of like element has been added to the environment and obviously like Woody's first reaction is to sort of go oh my god what's happening here oh oh he's not that special can you guys not can you guys not see that he's not that special and then Buzz is like 
I have landed on a new planet and the mis- the terrain is mysterious. Can't tell if the air's toxic yet. And then you can see Mr. Potato Head. You, you can see it click in his mind where it's like he knows how annoyed Woody is with this, mm. and he's just gonna and he like. Plays to it, he it? just oh, he's constantly just in there with the little jabs and like. And the, Mr. Potato Head sort of eggs everyone else to get really interested. in Yeah, this. and Ham is the same. Yeah. Ham kind of plays a little similar thing to Mr. Potato Head. They're kind of like they're a little double act themselves. Where it's like you know the you know what's with him laser envy. And I do find they love it. They absolutely the other, love it. All of the other toys' relationship with Woody really interesting because it makes the bedroom. And they say it at some points where at some point where Woody's like get back into your positions. They make Andy's bedroom feel like a workplace, and Woody yeah. is like the boss that everyone hates. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what you've got. Like, well, yeah, staff yeah. meeting. Yeah, you've got yeah. Slinky, who's like a kiss a kiss ass. You know, um, kissing the boss. <laughs> Um, you've got um, Hammy and Mr. Potato Head who hate the boss, and um, it's, you've got like um, Mr. Spell calling a committee meeting to discuss what was it to discuss the dangers of plastic. Oh, he's the health uh, plastic, plastic corrosion. corrosion. You've got yeah. Rex who is terrified of redundancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so strange because again that's another element that's um, you only really notice as an adult because obviously as a child. You've never been in the workplace before, so you don't... All of those little references, you don't get. And, as a child, I think... It's so strange how, at the beginning of this film, how sort of unlikable Woody actually is. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just... As a kid, you absolutely worship him. But as as a kid, what you want is to be in with the the cool gang. You want to be in with the ringleaders. You want to be part of that circle that Mm. Woody creates around him. And... Then you've also got the the anti heroes with Mr. Potato Head and Ham, and yeah. they actually want to break it. They they want to see Woody suffer. Just, yeah, just, just not enough so to like. Yeah. And so they they manage to break his hold on them by yeah. boosting mm. up. And I love um, mm. how Rex's fascination with Buzz is kind of mirrored in Toy Story Two with his fascination with the video games yeah. and yes. trying to defeat Emperor Zurg. But in the in the montage that they've put together. You see uh, Buzz with Rex making him stand up, making him project, and then he can roar. Whereas when you see Rex and Woody, Woody's just going, yeah, 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 when he roars in his face. You almost scared me that time. You almost scared me. It's very, oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas Buzz is interested in them all, and they, sh- they show all the different... He gets his yeah. people helping him repair his spaceship, and yeah. whereas Woody, Woody would have just done it all himself. Strange watching him be knocked down a peg or two, actually, Woody, because obviously, like, we've gone over this, but, like, he is so assured of himself at the yeah. start of the film that he will never be replaced, and then all of a sudden... Ah, Mandy's favourite toy. Yeah. Not anymore, is not. Yeah. And he's living with that insecurity that he's told everybody else not to have. And, oh, yeah. No. He's not I, just living with it though. As soon as he gets knocked off, off that bed and Buzz takes his place, yeah. he's vicious Symbolic. about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think as well, again, that we have to keep coming back to the fact that this is a kid's film. And if, if, you write it, if you were to write it down as a kind of story treatment, the whole Woody Buzz relationship who is the good one, who's the bad one here it's quite complex. And so they have to paint it in very broad strokes for the kids because when Buzz gets knocked out the window and it's all about saving Buzz, you need to realise that he is a good guy. As much as Woody dislikes him, mm. he is actually a good guy and we need to be on Buzz's side because we have to go with Woody and learn to like Buzz. 
And so the only way you can really do that is make Woody be really unnecessarily nasty to him because <laughs> yeah. you need to put it across the kids. And so we watch that now and think, well, Woody's just being a dick. But this yeah. is just so mean. What did the eight ball But to kids, do? it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. To kids, you need to get across the point that Woody and Buzz are both good guys. They just don't like each other. And that's hard to get across to well, kids. Because like with other. kids, it's always good and evil. Because Buzz and always gives Woody a chance. And well, exactly. But you need to get it across to kids that good people sometimes don't like each other. Or mm. one doesn't like the other. I, um, that's hard to put across to kids. I, when they actually went to the gas station, I started noticing that Buzz actually uses really, like complicated and flowery language to explain his point and i have no idea how i understood any of it as a kid but then it clicked and i realized and it's just that the way that his his actions and his intentions always communicate exactly what he's just said yeah and it's just he'll use like unnecessarily complicated language like the um i mean there's i love that joke at the beginning when he's fixing his ship and it's like Where's that? What is it? The binding tape. Yeah, binding. Universal where, where's binding that bar- tape. Where's that bonding strip? Oh, it's it's how the bonding strip. Yeah. And it's and they do similar things, but it's he will talk about the Pizza Planet van, and it'll be like, what is it? Some special space cargo vehicle, and like you know, and then Woody's like, let's get in the back. You know that that's better because he won't see us. Then he's like, nope, there are no what is it? The, we, no we, what, safety restrictions. He refers to seat belts as something like yeah. really complex, and but then you go huh, as a kid, you must go, yeah, and then you see him, you get in to the front seat, and he clips himself. Yeah, in. that's that's the thing that you see him. That it's very visual. Yeah, they always show you what he's doing. Like, like you, you, lo- you look at a car. Always fall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, I mean, even a kid, you know, you look at a car and you know it's not a spaceship, so you get the joke there that Buzz doesn't understand. He talks about safety restraints, and then you see him put a safe belt, yeah. uh, a seat belt on, so you kind of get the joke. And also pushes in the message that seat belts are safe. Yeah, yeah, it does do that. Of course, yeah, because yeah, um, then you see Woody being flown around exactly. in the back. <laughs> Indoctrination um, from the seat belt elites. <laughs> yes, it is. I think that probably is your favourite bit of the film, isn't it? With the um, the Woody and Buzz fight that kind of culminates in uh, the, uh, you, well, you are a toy. Essentially, you I would say that's your... Over the years, he goes mad at him, yeah, with him throwing his arms up in the air. Yeah. But Buzz is like, just not getting it at all, is he? He just blanks him. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, when I was you a kid... A sad... Sad, strange little man. <laughs> yeah. You have my pity. Yeah, yeah, the um, the bit where he goes, "Come on, do you want a piece of me?" And then he hits him, and his head just goes, <laughs> and, it's, and then he manages to steady himself like that. So it's a uh, very Bridget Jones that fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes yeah. again, it makes a gas station and a car feel like just ginormous. Yeah. Not ginormous Absolutely. as the truck. Not as ginormous as the truck. Yeah. But it just makes it feel so. And I love the atmosphere that they get mm. from sound at the gas station whenever he's gone. All you can hear is crickets. We mm. seem to have landed at some enormous refueling station. <laughs> yeah, and stuff like that. You know, as a kid, you're like, what? That's, um, what? that's what some places are like where you do roll up in the middle of the night and these places are still functioning. They, they are different to what they are in the day and they catch oh, yeah. that yeah. nicely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just that you get the sound of the lights, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. the generators running the lights in the sign. Dino Co or whatever it's called. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, 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 but yeah. The, yeah, D-I-N, yeah. 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 And can I... Yeah. The thing is, I'm not going to really raise the question, but there's like a fundamental question that occurs to me. And the thing is, I know that this film is not meant to be scrutinised in this way, 
but you know, I always think about the story and stuff. And the question I just can't escape is why does only Buzz and only Buzz specifically not know that he's a toy? I'd like to find that out. Why does Buzz think he's well, real? And no one, toys, no one else does. All the other toys have been there for a while. Maybe they all have to go through some sort of awakening after manufacturing. But then why don't why don't they know how to help Buzz with that? Why That's do they true. not expect That's that true. to happen? I and I know that yeah, you just you just kind of have to accept it. Well, obviously. I think it's just in his brain. He was manufactured that way. If we accept yeah. that all the toys in the Toy Story universe are alive, which seems to be the yeah. case, there are much bigger problems than that. Like, oh, of example, course. Oh, yeah, all yeah, of, yeah. All of the risks that all of the toys take throughout the film and almost get caught by someone being alive. At some point in the whole world, surely someone has discovered that toys are alive. Well, I could go one further. They reveal themselves to Sid. They yeah. show, uh, is that the first time anyone in the world has yeah, ever found s- out that the toys yeah, but are alive? Like, I, I, yeah, but you imagine, right? You are eight. Hmm. And you go to your mother and you say... It just spoke to me. Yeah. What's your mother going to say? Well, yes, yeah. Would Pat he? you on the head. Sure. Really he recognises this because he says we have to break some rules. Yeah. And the rules yeah. are yeah. he shows you don't, himself yeah. to be alive. And then that raises think, the question of how do you learn then? the rules? Yeah, uh, it's, it's learned, yeah. And with yeah. Buzz, yeah. you have to throw in the later film when they go into Al's toy barn and they open another Buzz and he does exactly the same. Is it because... The Space Rangers are a particular boneheaded kind of individual. Do you think he's programmed that way because of Zerg? Like, in this wider context. Oh, that's a theory. <laughs> is it, no, is it it's just like, when they're making the toys, they make him that way so that, like, it's just... You know, well, they don't know he's alive, so they can't make him to have a certain. Personality. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is no answer. It's one of those things that, again, it's, it's a kids' film. It's not meant to be scrutinised in this way. There's no answer to that question. But it's just it, it bothers me. Like, why is it only Buzz? Maybe that's it. Like, yeah. as the purpose of Buzz when he's awakened and he's like in his alive state, his purpose is just to defeat Zerg, and that's it. Like, where where Woody's might have once been to be a cowboy. It's mm. kind of hard to be a cowboy when you're on a bed in in, in suburban white America. Uh, like, you're you know. going really deep by saying it's a genetic imprint in a to- even in a toy. Where, you know, <laughs> well, you know, because maybe you are what they are. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. He's just not learnt that he's not who he is yet. I mean, I mean, I don't know. If we are getting way too deep into this, but Ham isn't even a toy. He's a piggy bank, mm-hmm. and he's alive. well. And then you think about some toys that have hockey puck. Can, exactly, you get you get some toys that can do so little. And yeah, a magic eight ball it's, is it's not alive. It's like what kind of life? Do I was they thinking have? that if yeah. the magic eight ball was alive or not. When Woody threw down the yeah, yeah. Some of these toys have like no like uh, those little sheep. What their life is to just be like a pair of three sh- like these Siamese sheep they're attached <laughs> attached to each other that all they do yeah, is just I not bet. speak and follow Bo Peep that's their life I give you ooh the claw yeah well well yeah and they, they yeah. have there the are another lot who yeah. are basically just they haven't managed to escape their programming essentially that actually I didn't think about that with the aliens because they're sort of away with the fairies as well yes yeah, yeah. and even well, we won't go into the next film but even in the later films they still Although they changed the their life, you're eternally yeah. grateful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a thing. So. Yeah, I mean, I love the. Uh, I think it's just at the right point as well where the aliens are introduced because you're sort of a little bit into the second act and you need more of a more of a hook than I think Peter Planet on its own gives you. Literally you... a hook. Yes. <laughs> oh. 
yeah, you need a claw into the second act, and the aliens are just like a marketable character screaming at you. Mm. And, and and they they give uh, Buzz and Woody to Sid. Yeah, essentially. The claw has chosen. Yeah, well, they, they you know they move the plot on as well, but yeah, like when you're exactly. with them, they're just fascinating, like three-eyed green aliens. They are minions before minions. Oh, that minions. Was, they that's are. exactly what I was gonna yes. say. I can't believe you bloody said that before I did. That's <laughs> so so true. It really is. They are minions. Yeah. And I have to say, of all Rob's Toy Story toys. <laughs> or the one the, the big alien the big alien because yeah, it was actually sc- scalably it wasn't the same scale as Buzz and Woody it was huge <laughs> so they had an and, all, this enormous alien will devour us all and you, the statue oh it was, it was it was cute oh well if we get into this whole theory of you know is it something to do with the fact that Buzz is Buzz the aliens I believe are from Buzz Lightyear's fictional universe. Yeah, I was thinking. So yeah, maybe yeah. it's yeah. all all the Buzz which universe you would, toys. Which you would to know them. if you'd ridden the Buzz Lightyear yeah. ride at Disneyland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where you've which got to defeat Emperor Zerg and shoot Emperor Zerg and all the aliens are helping you along the way. Mm. Uh, well, there you go. Excellent ride. And um, from Pizza Planet, they go to Sid's room and now, like when I was a kid, Sid's room was really scary, and I love the shots from inside the backpack. Yeah. yeah, where they're not, you know, it's like Tyrion. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, got my Game of Thrones reference in there. Basically, at the start of season five, when Tyrion is in the box and they follow him inside the box and they look out of his eye hole. Oh, that's, this is such a reach. I mean, well done for doing it. Oh, well, you, you, did, you did set the challenge. Yeah. Really, I, I didn't mean for it to be such a reach, but. Um, but following in from inside the bag, it's very like, I mean, again, it's another one of those like toys eye view shot where it's this deliberately scary, you don't know where you're heading, you have no idea where you're going, you know that where you're going is very frightening. And I mean, obviously, because we've got this context with Sid who blows up toys, who does this, who does that, it's all horrible. And yet, when I was a kid, I used to find Sid's room really scary, but now it just looks beautiful. Mm. It's so nice. He's like, got a sign that says, I love explosives. I mean, the I love explosives which, thing Which is, is a weird contrast between the hatred of explosives, but also expressing love for something. <laughs> the thing you have to remember about Sid... But the colours that... of that room... Well, he yeah. is. He knows how to deck out a bedroom. I'll say that yeah, much. Exactly. And yeah. I, I, I know I keep sounding like I'm sympathising with Sid, and I'm not, because he is obviously the villain. But the Empire did nothing he, wrong. I just, I just, I, I, I feel like he is a slightly misunderstood in a bit of a way because he doesn't know that the toys are alive. He, he mm. maybe you could imagine maybe he's a bit mature beyond his years and has not got sentimental sentimentality about toys and just sees yeah. a, he is a scientist who's experimenting or something. Yeah, but they're you know. it. <laughs> you can't, you can't have that said about him because he knowingly. Um, takes his sister's doll yeah. and takes yeah, the head off no, just yeah, to upset there is her. That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they yeah. say that um, children that torture like small animals and toys and stuff just turn out to be, be psychopaths. Or, or the, in the case well, of Toy Story Three, a garbage man. I know. I know. Yeah, it's yeah, just another one of those lines just frettles me. Maybe I don't know whether it's intentional, man. but I think it's a very meaningful line where one of them, where Buzz says, "Do you mean that happy child?" And Rex, or someone says, "That's no happy child." I thought, "Oh well, that's." Possibly an indicative thing yeah, to say. Yeah, I think maybe he's, that's, that's just no because he's child. laughing at the time and he's going, ha, 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 ha. And then like Buzz goes, what, that happy child? And then, happy children. And then it's like, like no, that. his, his yeah. laughter isn't from a place of happiness. It's yeah. from a place of like mania. But well, well, it's very interesting. Destroying toys is yeah. making him happy. 
No, but you know, you would think that in real life, happy children wouldn't behave like that. But I love so, um, a I think victim that's when, of his terrible upbringing. I mean, obviously, Woody's character has started to change a little bit on the journey to Pizza Planet, but then I think it's really hammered home when he's in Sid's bedroom. And I don't think it. it has, to be honest. I think when they're at the petrol station in Pizza Planet, the only reason he wants Buzz with him is to save so, his own skin. Yeah, to yeah. get back to Andy. Oh, yeah. Later yeah. That he, he, he's so he's only in, really in that crate when he's trapped and yeah. he starts to have the conversation. And he starts, having, he starts well, yeah, to well, at the point where he himself. tells Buzz to save himself. Mm. That's, that, was the, that was the switch. I would say, that, I mean, it starts happening just before, though, because he looks at the way that those toys have been kind of like Frankensteined up in Sid's bedroom, and I think he realises across those scenes, not just in that moment, but across those scenes with those toys, that he can, have, he can either accept second place in Andy's bedroom and be grateful that he has a kid like Andy to look after him, which is kind of how he sells yes. it back to Buzz mm-hmm. later on. You know, you have, there's a kid over there who, like, you know, I mean, I think it's something that Buzz says. It's like Andy's bedroom, Sid's bedroom, what's the difference? And in that moment, all of Woody's experiences in Sid's bedroom. And he goes, the difference is that you will be treated well by that kid over there. And if you stay here, your head will be put on that thing and your arms will be attached to that body. And he'll, Sid will mistreat you and mess you up and, like. And that in that point, moment, Woody goes like, "Okay, maybe it's fine to be second place and treated well." Yeah. At that point as well, Woody still thinks that Sid's toys are evil. Yes. They haven't found out. Oh, that's a nice switcheroo, though, isn't mm. it? When it turns out they're yeah. actually oh, just yeah. toys that look mm. a bit ugly. Like yeah, they've, they've been abused by their owner, mm. and it doesn't make them bad Don't toys. Don't judge a book by its cover. Well, yeah, but it is. It's, it's, Don't it's even the ugly children owners. are nice. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, there is a moral in it. And plus, you know, it's 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 very very scary as well and very sad because you know they spent the whole film exploring how alive these toys are that they have all their own they have their own sort of personalities and senses of humor and lives and stuff and then you see these horrible toys who just like that one that's just a leg with a fishing hook on a pair of legs, legs, fishing yeah. Hook on. legs yeah. and it's just oh you feel so sorry for them yeah. You feel so, so sorry for them. None of them speak. Yeah. They don't have any voices, do they? No, exactly. The duck quacks, and that's about it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that is the only character of Sid's uh, toys that has a voice. Hmm. Well, that's probably um, a plot reason that if, if they could speak, they would have revealed they weren't evil. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I, mean, I dropped in a little thing about Sid's bedroom there. But the, the, honestly, that kid really does know how to deck out a bedroom. That lava lamp looks so like the colours. I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna disagree. I, I think just, it's a, it's, I, a, it's a it's a little emo-y brat's bedroom. Oh yeah, it's proper like it's it's yeah. around. It's just kind of pre-twilight, post Avril Lavigne kind of emo. But it's <laughs> you know that kind of before it kind of took its you know. I've, I've gone to hold my hands up here. I when it was really learning, it's the aesthetics. decoration of the bedroom. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to sign the thing. As, a, as a, an older person, Just like when we were kids, we used to see American bedrooms on telly and think, wow. And I think Sid's bedroom is in that mode. Only mm. an American kid could possibly have had a bedroom like that when I was a kid. Because is, yeah. they, have the, they have the money, the freedom, uh, Moonlight in all the films and things that we saw. American Space. kids would have yeah. a phone in their room and order a pizza. Well, that didn't happen for us. We didn't have pizza deliveries. We didn't have phones in our room. You're lucky if you had a phone in your house when we were kids. So, to me, it just looked like a proper American kid. That is, that, that is actually, I would very much agree with that. That as a kid, this is one of the very first films I ever saw. And it gave me a real kind of view into 
America as a sort of different culture to mine. Yeah. Like, like I had no concept of pizza when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, pizza I, was a thing not, in the well, mid-90s. Not something that we had when yes, I was, was. A little kids. No, it's not something that we ever ate. Well, that's because you were picky with food. No, it's not. It's, it's just not. It's, <laughs> like, that's just a random example. But, like, loads of things, just, like, the sizes of the places. Arcades. Uh, and, the arcades yeah. and, like, this yeah. stuff that I, I just didn't ever have any real exposure to and I was three years old when I saw the film and machines that dispense yeah. alien slime and yeah all these things under one roof and you weren't in Blackpool yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the size of the streets and yeah. all the lush trees and stuff and not to say that America was like this paradise or anything but it seemed like another place I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's a really just on a side point I think it's from what I know it seems like a very kind of good accurate depiction of America in the 90s like, I think, a, I think there's yeah, a lot of stuff in there that you can For kids, really anyway, identify. like white suburban America, yeah. it seems kind really of. Really like looks like America in the Pleasantish neighborhood, except for obviously the bit that Sid occupies. But yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you take, if you believe that Andy's mum is a single mum, she's got a damn fine house. Oh, yeah. I wonder what job she does. She's mm. always with the kids, so I don't know. Well, if Andy's right and the dad did die, maybe she got a handsome insurance settlement. Yeah. Well, it could be watch how she funds it. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. I, I was going to say though that there's there's sort of two f- basic types of kid in the film that there's Andy and there's Sid, and I mean I was just just like Andy. My room was just like Andy's, and maybe there was kids whose rooms were just like Sid, and those would be the kind of kids I tended to avoid. Yeah, to I think it actually it taps into something that um, my dad said before, where we would all see us, me yourself, and me Andy and Jake would probably see ourselves as Andy. And the other kid that we knew at school that was a bully was the Sid in our universe. Yeah. I don't think you're ever supposed to necessarily relate to Sid, but as you get older and watch this film... You understand him. You, yeah, you can understand that he's the product of lazy parenting, and you can understand that he's the... Basically, that's it. He's, he's a product of his parents rather than something that he is independently... Mm. Like, I mean, obviously, there's... Well, bits, well technically, that's true of all kids. Really, yeah, but there's, there's kinks... I can't mention any names because this will go out on Tinderweb. But when you were at school, you used to complain that a certain child yeah. in your class got treated better by the teachers. He had an awful upbringing and they knew it. And they wanted to try and make a difference and make him feel like he was as valued as everybody else. I think they were probably misguided, but it was done with great intention. Mm. And he was a Sid character. Yeah, no. I, they, we you can't know, when, names, when I was but he knows. when I was thinking about it before, that was the person I had in yeah. mind. Yeah, but when he watched that film, he probably had a character and someone in mind. If he did, he probably well. never got to see the film. Mm. He had that kind of childhood. Um, but yeah, no, I get exactly what you mean. Mm. And yeah, so Sid is an evil character. He's a spiteful, hateful little beast. But he got there. For a reason, nobody gets to be. I mean, that age. there are kinks to him that, like, even bad parenting, like I love explosives, is a bit like, wow. Okay, even if you have bad parents, like maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, he's not just got bad parents. He's got negligent, absent parents who probably don't even know he's got that sticker on his wall. Mm. What well, about Hannah? Then? Then? How does Hannah end up the way that she does? Bad, I mean, come on. I think, I think Hannah is like. It's quite sad with her. I wish we saw more of her, and that she's 
she she is I the kind of child who terrible she her. she wants to be an Andy, but her life is making her into more yeah. of a Sid. Well, I, I like draw it back to the person that we've just been talking about, whose name we can't mention, whose brother was clever. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and yeah, he I did always get on greatly with mm. him with his brother. Yeah, no names. No, and he he had a very difficult life because he didn't fit the mold into which he'd been cast, and he mm. wanted to get out of it. Yeah, I think this is a really, really good thing about the film, though, is that the kids aren't just plot devices. They they are real types of kids. They yeah. are archetypes of kids who, you know, parents and other kids will definitely recognise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the uh, the scene when Buzz has the rocket strapped to him, <laughs> and but they're still in Sid's bedroom. I love the moment where Sid picks up the crate and Woody's kind of, like, holding himself in position so that he doesn't get found and... The way they use like the little nuts and bolts to wake Buzz up, and I love all of that. And when Sid, it basically just all the stuff that happens when Sid is asleep and it's raining. I love that little. There's like a still. It's like the quiet before the storm of the end, and mm. they managed to get the plan together. And I love Sid sleeping position. That is such <laughs> yeah, a, fully a, clothed, ass in the a, air. It's that a reminded baby's me sleeping of, position. Um, Martin McFly in yes, yes, because yes. he sleeps like that when yeah. you see him. Oh, right. Uh, Maybe Matt McFly is a grown-up Sid. It's actually a good example, though, of all the having every outright say of another visual cue about Sid's life that his parents haven't put him to bed. No. And in the earlier scene, we've just seen Andy's mum put him to bed. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, I imagine... A lot of of little visual cues just to give you a window into And his bed doesn't even have covers on it. It's just like a mattress and a sheet. And that's it. And what's Andy's bed like? Well, decked out. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. looks so comfy. Oh, it looks so comfy and bouncy when the ground here is somewhat unstable. <laughs> God, I've grown up hating Sid and now look at me and now I just hate his parents. Mm. But I love how the the plan doesn't take very long to be put together, but when it does I don't know why, but like them getting out of the house felt much longer when I was a kid. But it happens like that in this, and it all comes together like clockwork. Yeah. I love how they for- like they managed to formulate it, and I know crazy how well that plan works. There's so many mistakes that could have happened for them to get. I love the out. fact that um, Duck waits, yeah. and you think, why hasn't he got out? When she opens that door, she could have seen him. Yeah. Oh, she could, couldn't she? Yeah. yeah. But he's there for a reason, and he's there to grab the frog and yeah. take him back up yeah. again because no, no man get left behind that's yeah. it yeah yeah it's great stuff no i love that because i wonder i wonder what the frog wine the frog would have done <laughs> why not have um, the frog get caught by the dog and have an emotional death sequence for the frog toy oh <laughs> it's too dark too dark we're at the point of um the lift at the end there you, you know yeah. you're not gonna where he but, sacrifices yeah. himself so the rest of the characters can survive and be mm. free. But you know, they get out of the house and I love the scene where they come out of the sand pit and like they come out of this scummy water and mm. they all get closer and closer to him and then Woody starts speaking through his like little voice box but like You've controlling. missed out an important part. Well we can always come back to it. Where Sid gives him the match. Yeah. Ah, yeah. 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 Well, Sid's always planning these next way of destroying mm. uh, yes he is and by chucking him on the barbecue he's already planning ahead as yeah. soon as he's got rid of Buzz he's going to start on Woody burn him I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I'm sorry to do this again but I'm going to do it I have another <laughs> fundamental question about this world this time it's Woody's voice 
he when when his string has been pulled, he has this cassette tape type voice, and his yes. mouth isn't moving like, as if that's not him. It's like yeah. you know something playing, and then he talks and it's say. normal. But then when he's talking to Sid, he's using the pull string cassette tape voice because his mouth. So moving. what's going on? Like, is he in control of his string yeah. voice? I think so. Yeah. So if he is so. in control of his string voice, how does he let it go off when it gets caught? Well, I, I think when it, he's caught, I think when it gets pulled, it's involuntary and he can't help it. But it, he can also control it without the string being pulled at various points when it's necessary. Seems a bit. But all but the I other times, that, that is the only time in the film where he only he has to communicate that way. All the other times, the only person, the only people he talks to are toys. And he can't he can't use his real his real voice. Get me? He can't use his real voice when he's um, goading Sid from the barbecue because that would ruin. The bit where he so turns to talk to which him. is yeah. mainly done for um, dramatic effect. Oh, totally, totally, yeah, of course it is. Is that yeah. whole Chucky yeah. moment though with the head turn? Yeah. Well, yeah. We can see everything. Yeah, Exorcist uh, Two. Yeah. Which obviously, oh, Rob, we have to heads. mention that the carpet in Sid's house is just like the corridors of The Shining. By the way. Yeah, yeah. It is just so. It, it's it's too close to not me deliberate. Right I think. down to a little wheeled vehicle going down it. Yeah, a skateboard. Yeah. yeah, that's also a thing for some adults as well. Is the other film references where you've got um, uh, socks. Um, yeah, farewell. Farewell thing that buzz. Yeah. Does the, the, oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you also got the uh, Wilhelm scream that gets thrown in there as well. Uh, you've got you've got Sid when he's acting out as torture. He says to Buzz, "Where is the rebel base?" But yeah, no, I I love the uh, like the the carpet's great and. Yeah, I, I I love the way that all of that comes out and like the, the plan works and they get into the garden and everything sets up really well and I, I don't I don't mind the fact that Woody can then suddenly control his voice box. I oh, think I don't it's mind. Just, I don't yeah. mind. It's, I, think it's plausible. Plausible. I, I don't think it's plausible to me. No, that's the thing. I have he's to breaking keep reminding myself. He, 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 he declares up front, we've got to break the rules, and that's probably yeah. breaking the rules. Mm. So but I love how. No, I I I, re- I really don't mind. It's just a question that is raised because. You don't get this kind of thing in the other two films where they're talking so directly with humans. No. And obviously, as Jake was saying before, once you've opened that door, it's like, well, has that not happened in other places around the world? Like, it very quickly spirals. And um, they don't, they don't they deal with been. that at all in the other two films. Yeah. Maybe that's what they should have done Toy Story 4 about. Maybe they will. No, it's, a, it's Woody goes after Bo Peep stuff. Yeah. Oh, you'll enjoy why? That. Why? Why? <laughs> Well, no, I will. People like things in three. I mean, I like... chose Bo Peep as my favourite character, and then she's going to disappear for the next films. As is RC. Yeah, RC isn't in the. Um, no. Oh yeah. Is it, is it yeah. Is yeah. That's true. Yeah. There's loads of little characters that are in this one that aren't in the others. The shark. The uh, the. Holy holy holy! You know And and uh, Mr. Spell. I've always wondered. Mr. About... Spell is in. Oh, Al, Toy Story Toy, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered about those three random toys that are sat on top of a cupboard at the very beginning that Woody looks at. And oh, up on the shelf. Them, and the it's bear. Like, there's not much detail in them, but there's like a bear and two other toys on yeah. there. We do you learn never that, see them again. Well, we do learn that if you're on the shelf, you're done. We learn yeah, that. He's not on the shelf. He's on my cabinet. Um, yeah. I can't remember what you're talking about. Like a, just oh, just one stitch away from here to there. <laughs> yeah. But they're not part of that kind of sanctuary, yeah, I and guess. After Buzz is saved, it obviously yeah. gets to the best part of the film. Oh, yeah. With the, the, the chase of the truck. With Arcee. Yeah, absolutely. When everything comes together, the two characters work together, and um, 
to you know overcome yeah. the obstacle and overcome fantastic. the differences and it's a nice little bit of tension the music's really good in it you get um, that great moment where molly's looking out the car window while Hakuna Matata <laughs> plays yeah. and Hakuna yeah, Matata swinging round. which is weird because Disney hadn't bought Pixar at this point so that would have been a copyright thing well yeah. Disney still distributed the film oh, and uh, it, it was I think that was intended as a Disney's The Lion King in a cinema near you because Lion King came yeah. out six months before this that's true you know, that's true what a year that was um, and then obviously yeah. Woody um, says the line um, to infinity and beyond as a both fly and yeah got a little bit dusty oh. when Buzz flew yeah, I, I, I a little bit dusty. Yeah, well enough about that. Yeah. All, all films have a little fantasy um, scene in them, don't they? And even though this is make believe, they've still found a, a spot to put a fantasy bit in where yeah. Buzz yeah. can actually fly. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I don't know whether he actually flies or whether he just uses his wings for wind resistance. Yeah, but I mean, well, he, 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 he goes. But it's implied that he very flies. much defies the laws of physics and how tall he goes. Yeah. He, yeah. With wind resistance, he would still basically just drop to the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does hammer home the kind of, um, you know, my, my toys could do that thing that this film tries to get. I mean, that's something you I was. You just have gonna... to believe and you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's... it's something that I was going to bring up before, which is just, you know, we were discussing about how it works that, like, the toys constantly risk their universe being exposed by, like, just getting everything ready just as the door opens. But I think that's something the film does deliberately, which is just, like, if you, if you open your bedroom door, your toys have just sat down. Yeah. Yeah, which right is what place. I always used to do when I was a kid. I'd always try and catch my toys being alive. Yeah, how quick can you open the door? Exactly. How quickly can you how well, sometimes, you? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you can swear that your toy is in a different position to where you've left it. Huh. And yeah. you just, it's just a wonderful feeling that as a kid, isn't it? Yeah, but that when they were doing the truck chasing, that was when I wrote down that the, animation, uh, the a- imagination of the writers and animation somehow matches that of the children just like with the dog chase and the lorry chase and the way that I was imagining it in my head on a bedroom floor with Woody and Buzz being pushed along by this hand and trying to catch up yeah. to a lorry with this kid going on. It's almost, almost like there, one of the stories that Andy tells. Yeah, and I love how that comes together at the end. Can I admit that I only have only ever seen this film as an adult? Um when it came out 23 years ago, I was older than all of you guys even then. And I was really like, <gasps> at the end of it. Because <laughs> yeah, they like, I mean, they never get to the truck it. and then they don't get on the truck and then they well, throw Woody off the truck. I've seen countless films that were made that way where you have hands joined together that are slowly yeah. fingertips and break and they're yeah. just reenacting. Yeah. And it's like they won't accept Woody, so they throw him off, and then they yeah, will yeah. accept Woody and Slinky's out there, and oh, and then he's let go. And I was really, I was really in it. I was there's in that moment. There's so many little things where they they've shown their work, and where there's so many clever things that tied together so well, like the, the whole payoff of Buzz being a spaceman. He's got a rocket tied yeah. to him. And then with, as you were saying, with holding hands, you've got a character who can literally stretch. Yes. So you can do that much more dramatically. You can have him stretch a mile long. <laughs> you got a character that falls apart literally when he gets knocked. Yeah, Mr. Potato. Mr. Potato. Oh, Mr. Yeah. And that you've got and, amazing. And they've set up that there is an actual car that you can have driving yeah. along the road. That they've got RC there as well. It's 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 all set up so well for that final sequence. It's brilliant. It is. It's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, I've I got to mention that. Mr. Potato Head and his eyes holding him up. 
<laughs> we missed that when we talked about that bit. Well, that's yeah. used again, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. The, the missing eye, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's used a lot. Yeah. Later films, uh... Yeah, I love um, special mention for Scud. He's pretty scary. He is quite yeah. scary, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, even when he's asleep and you just see his mouth open with them teeth. Yeah, well, they specifically choose a breed of dog that a lot of people would consider more intimidating anyway. He's not yeah. like a Labrador or a Poodle. Yeah. He's what kind of, He's like some sort of terrier. He's a bit like Jack Russell or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think he's, is it like he's, a Bill Sykes dog, isn't he? Mm. I think yeah. he's li- living proof that there's no such thing as dangerous dogs. It's just dangerous owners, though. Isn't that? Well, yeah. <laughs> he's got well, yeah, if, they, if they've given him the level of care and attention they've given to Sid, you're on a hiding to nothing. Well, Andy good. gets a dog at the end. And I remember as a kid imagining that he, the, the dog was going to be the villain of the next film because <laughs> he was going to be like Scud. Yes. But his dog turned out to be like adorable. Yeah. <laughs> as is Andy. Yeah. And Andy and his sister share a bedroom. Yes, so I noticed that. It's well. obviously not yeah. that big a house, even though it appears to be. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And they have to move, I guess, because she needs a bedroom. Yeah. I would say the only criticism I have of the ending is that it just ends a bit quickly. Like, they're out of the truck, and like then very quickly it's like, everything's fine, and oh, it's over. And yeah, but what, is and what else is there to do? Yeah, it just... To say. Yeah. Yeah. They land in that box. We've yeah. missed the truck. I'm not aiming for the truck. <laughs> yeah. They're there. Yeah, they, and he's sort of just like, um, go whoop, drop in, whoop, drop in. It's like, yeah. again, just completely defying the loss of physicality. He managed to stop in midair over a moving car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andy's looking that way and then goes, oh, what's the wood here, Mum? I found them. But what else is there after that moment? Maybe no, I, well, I don't know what else he would suggest yet. And, yeah, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but like, I, I just don't know. Do you do that? What, else, need, what else needs to be said? Where, um, they're both waiting to see what Andy got for Christmas, uh, which is nice. Uh, yeah, right I end. like that. And it, it ties it all together at the end, that Woody and Buzz are now have a shared interest and they're yeah. both friends. I'm not sure what I'd do differently is, or anything. It's just like, when I was sat watching it, I was thinking, oh, yeah, so that ended. Film, Rob, why that don't was... you make a better film? Well, you know... That's the thing, I know that we've asked, I mean, mainly me, I've asked questions about the world and stuff, but I can't really suggest anything else. It's a very short film, but I can't suggest anything else that could have been in it. Like, it's it's a very complete film. It moved at the pace it needed to move at, based on its audience. It... It had its universe in it, then Andrew's bedroom, Andy's bedroom. Then they had it in Sid's bedroom with a little outtake outside with the petrol station. And then they were back and we had Christmas because they needed another present giving time. Yeah. So that you could see that Buzz and Woody had bonded and then had uh, were both sort of like, oh my God, there's a dog. <laughs> yeah. So it finished with a... A proper full stop. Yeah, I could go with that. Mm. All right, does anyone else have anything to really uh, say? Music, I want to talk about the music. Yeah. <gasps> yes. I, I mean, um, I, I was saying this when we were watching it, but there, there are very, very few, I mean, this like top five pieces of music in the world. Probably because I don't listen to it very often for reasons, you know, whatever. But I, You've Got a Friend in Me is one of those pieces of music that really properly triggers something in me like that really really takes me back to being a child like in an almost like uncomfortable level like it really really takes me back listening to you've got a friend in me i think it kind of upsets me because of the way that song is used in toy story 3 which is so Friendship sad Friendship will never die. yeah <laughs> it, it just yeah it, 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 it makes me feel quite sort of sad and longing for my childhood but yeah that's that song is just iconic i wonder what brief um, is it Randy, Randy Newman? Newman? Yeah. What brief he was given? Yeah. Um, 
because I get the feeling that he probably wanted lyrics very early on uh, with a sketch of the story, mm. not that the film was complete and they were waiting for him to watch it and then construct the, the song. Mm. So I think he must have had a quite a detailed um, idea of the story because mm. the song he does when Buzz um, realises that he is just a toy... Well, the, usually with a lot of films, the um, the composer will watch the film when it's been edited, um, and then compose music afterwards. But with um, Toy Story, they have to do the script so far in advance for an animated film because it takes long to do the animation. Yeah. Like usually, the actors will record the lines like three or four years before the yeah, film yeah. actually comes out. Which I is imagine why Tom Hanks would have done this from success in like Philadelphia exactly or so you'll always get like yeah. um, big stars that were big like three or four years ago appearing in these films like Frozen has that um, problem all the cast of Glee all of the it, cast yeah. of Glee are in it because Glee was big at the time that the script was done yeah. but that also means that um, Randy Newman would have had loads of time to think about music because he had an entire script already yeah. for like years before the film even came out yeah. which is not usual for a lot of films no I did it's pitched it's, it's perfect, isn't it? It's not, it doesn't miss the point at no, all. No, not at all. And they won't, he wouldn't have had much to have um, And the seen. lyrics never intrude on anything that's no, going on with the he, film. There can't have been much for him to see, I don't think, when he was asked to write that. But he I might th- have had those storyboards, mm. pencil drawings and things like that, and an idea of what the story would be. I think it would be clear enough from the script, though, because I, th- yeah. I feel like each, each of the songs, like you say, what brief was he given? I think there is a very clear point that all three of the three songs, yeah. There's three songs, and they, 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 there's a clear thing that each of them need to say. Yeah. Like you've got a friend in me who needs to establish the bond between Woody, Woody and Andy. Andy. And then the strange things are happening that needs to be Something Woody getting worried about Buzz. Yeah. And then the uh, I Will Go Sailing one, it's about Buzz losing his faith. It's clear, kind of, this is what this song needs to say. And there's lots of airy fairy, you know, all sorts of lyrics that are around that point. But the songs, I think there's a very basic thing that each of them needs to do. And that is the best way to use music in a, in a Disney film or in a kids' film, I think, is to have them advance the plot in a very simple way that kids can hook onto. Because yeah. music is a very good tool. And to even if you don't understand the plot the, the music, you can understand. It still yeah. makes you feel like it's a very particular way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The music fits as well, but you had to make the lyrics fit. Mm. If you have a look, uh, Jaws. We just need the music. That's all we need. We know what's happening. But with this, it clearly needed words to explain. Needs how, a bit more explaining. How it feels and to get that. I don't know. Would kids understand that? And I think that they do. They would have to listen to those lyrics. Mm. Um, to, I think to you're know, right. Yeah. To know what's being said. What particularly, particularly the montage of when you get worried about Buzz. I feel like that's less clear without the song. I probably. think it's, yeah. it's a very unique film for the style of music it has as well. In that well in Randy Newman style in that it's got spoken word lyrics uh, sung lyrics in the film that aren't from songs not originally in the film like popular music like um, you know The the Graduate has Simon and Garfunkel music in it for example but that's all music that's outside of the film anyway yeah. whereas this is sung music specifically for the film yeah. plus an actual score yeah, it has, yeah. which you don't really get in any other film other than Randy Newman scores do you? It's no, I can't even within Disney or within Pixar. I can't really think of another example. But even Randy Newman get... composes a Bugs Life, doesn't he? And yeah, he does. There's, there's, no, no, spo- songs. there's no songs no. in that. It's all just actual music. I, you, you are right. I really can't think of another example where music is used in that kind of a way. It's uh, 
Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, the only, the only yeah. song in Bug's Life is the one that gets played over the credits, where it's the, um, one's a bug, little bug, only the... Not even in the other Toy Story. I know there's brief songs in the other Toy Story films that are used in similar ways, uh, and but the, not the extent of this. In Toy Story 2, obviously, you've got Jess's song, but that's actually part of... Well, I always imagine she's singing that. Exactly, she's yeah. singing yeah. Yeah. And that is also one that was, I think... Um, have you ever heard She Chose Me by Randy Newman? No, I haven't. If you listen to She Chose Me by um, by Randy Newman, it is basically like a When She Loved Me Part 2. Huh. There are so many like motifs and melodies and stuff that he lifts from it and just slightly remoulds it. So he probably way. wrote a selection of songs and they chose the one that they chose. I wouldn't think so. No, I think I would think they would have given him a brief of you need to write a song about this. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, Toy Story three doesn't really have a moment like that, does it? Where there's like a song by Randy Newman that kind of breaks. There's one over the credits. Can we not mention Toy Story? There's one over the credits. Yeah. I do think this is not a criticism. I think it's just the way I feel really. That um, I do think the songs are the thing that dates the film the most. I think that they are pretty. Old, not old fashioned, but they sound very nineties. Is that not those because songs with the honky tonk organ and yeah. it's just Randy Newman generally? It's actually, a very nineties thing. Do you not think that's more because the songs are so iconically associated with Toy Story or with and, my childhood and stuff. your ch- yeah. and your childhood as a result? Yeah, because if you think about the soundtrack for Bridget Jones, um, they were all hits. Some at that time, some before that time, and they've been played over and over and over, mm. and it's just doesn't have the same fit mm. with where you were when you saw Bridget Jones because you heard them so many times in so many other places. Yeah, and yeah, it could be. But I do think there are things with like the instrumentation and the production on the songs and stuff that they, they do sound mm. old-fashioned. You wouldn't get songs like that in a film. Yeah, and the, the style of music is a bit more... You probably mm. will if they do a four. <laughs> <laughs> and they wheel out Randy again. Well, same, same, goes, same, same goes for the score as well. That in, in the film scoring world, it's a very, very 90s film score. Love very the um, big and bold and yeah. I love the uh, the rise, the sudden like crescendo when uh, they realise the buzz can fly. Yeah, I love that. The um that that's great. The the theme that plays under Woody going, you're flying, etc. Well, we'll have to see what the comparison is against the next two. Then, Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, the third one particularly is far mm. more up to date. So, how are we doing scores? Because. Like there's five of us this time, but next week there's going to be four of us. No, we'll just we'll just do. Oh, no, there's going to be five of us. We'll recall scores for now and work that out later. Right. Hmm. Um. So I. Well, I mean, we'll go with actually we'll go with our guest first. So. Well, we uh, don't just, know what the scoring is. Uh, just out of ten, you can. Uh, oh well, well, Jake has his own scoring system. You're welcome to have your own scoring system if you want. As long as you can, you know, multiply it or divide it into ten, so we can extrapolate it later on. Yeah, so don't, don't give it like you know four out of seven. You could give it like zero point five out of two. Now out of ten is far easier for me. But no, if you just do um, like whole numbers and point fives, okay, essentially out of ten. So what are you going for? Uh, for Toy Story, out of ten. Right, I'm happy to give it a ten out of ten because it's 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 full and complete as a film. Okay, it's, I'll uh, there's not much you can sit back and criticise and make you feel, um, you know, oh, God, I wish I'd done that So better. you would say you love this film? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, Even yes. though we've seen yeah, it. The, the, the very first score that anyone has given in season two, and we have a ten. Uh-huh. Yeah, already. It took yeah. a while to get our first ten of... Um, I'd have to justify, say if I gave it nine and a half, I'd have to justify why I've knocked off 
half a point. And I don't think as much that you can. Uh, yeah, knock off it. it. You can sit there quite happily and watch it without criticism. So, thing is, it's Pixar. I think we're going to be getting a lot of nines and tens throughout this whole run. This yeah. Time well, to be honest, I don't see how you can't because it's got everything. It's got the music. It's got a great story. It's there for the kids. It's there for the adults. It's full of imagination. It adds fear. It adds emotion. There isn't anything it hasn't got. The 10 from you as well, do you think? The if only reason I would not give it a 10. Because you'd rather give Toy Story 3 a high score. Because Toy Story 3 is better. There is nothing wrong with Toy Story. So you're going 9.5. I think I'm going 9.5. Okay, so I've worked out a way to do it. We just have a guest average, so there's a oh, bit 9.75. Okay. How, how, how awkward. 9.75. In that case, then I'm going to give it ten and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jake. Well, I, f- I feel like I'm going to be the odd one out here. I don't have much of an emotional connection to this film. It, you know, I, I watched it quite a lot as a kid, but I just, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not that excited by it. It's a good film. I enjoy watching it. Um, the fact that it's so short really forces the filmmakers to do some very creative things with the characters and uh, a lot of cool references. And it was fun watching it again as an adult and it felt like a different film watching it now compared to when I used to watch it. I would agree on that. Um, it's different, yeah. But it, it's it's a really good really good film and I enjoy watching it, but I don't love it. Like, I don't think it's, it's... It's nowhere near the best Pixar I've done. Um, it's, it's not the most entertaining film to me. It's a good film. But it's not. I think Pixar have done a lot better, and there are many Pixar films that get a much more emotional response from me than this one does. So, um, so I'd say about seven and a half out of ten. Right, Andy. Um, it's it's mm. it is actually quite hard. Um, I I do love it. I think it's great. Um, it's not my favorite Pixar film. It's not even my favorite Toy Story film. In fact, in fact, it's my least favorite Toy Story film. Um. Two and three, both, you know, I have much, much more of a stronger connection with two and three. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not absolutely great, and I do love it. Um, I, I think that the very best Pixar films, though, you know, two of which are Toy Story 2 and 3, you know, they, they go beyond being a great film, and they really, really, you know, get to you in some way. And other than the nostalgia, I don't, I don't think Toy Story, you know, really has anything that connects to me yeah. that much and this one it's a great film and it's so tightly made and there's very little to criticise it doesn't have that kind of particular kind of I don't know what the word is just the, the way Toy Story 3 has that kind of thing of making me upset about my you know becoming an adult and Toy Story 2 has all has much more of the nostalgia for me this one doesn't really have any of that to be honest but it is a great film I can't deny it I just want to save my tens for the Pixar films that I absolutely love. So I'll give this one a nine. Yeah, picking up on your point there, like it's really interesting that as the first Pixar film, this one feels entirely different from the rest of the Pixar films because it doesn't see it to me anyway. It doesn't feel to have that like sort of Pixar magic that makes me feel like oh, this is like a groundbreaking film that really pushes things forward. Well, that's because in terms of storytelling, you don't really need to push things forward because all of the advancement in this film simply comes from the fact that it's the first ever 3D animated film. So 
you know, that's what's groundbreaking about this film is yeah. that it's the first film ever to do that. Yeah. So yeah. the the st- like the boundary pushing through storytelling and um, and it does do some of that absolutely, um, and it sets a formula up for Pixar to build on later on. Yeah. Um, but all of the groundbreaking here is through the technology, not necessarily through the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, 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 I want to clarify as well. When I, I don't mean to say that there's no emotional core to the film because there is, but it's as you say the Pixar formula hasn't been set yet. Where almost every other film, certainly from like Toy Story two onwards, has their big thing about life that they want to say. Um, yeah, the whole film is built around, and this doesn't have that because Pixar haven't got confidence enough to do that yet. They just want to make a really good film, which they do. In many ways, this is the launching off point for everything else. Um, I, th- I think you know, take it as a film in its own right. It's it's superb, but I know there's better to come, and I can't ignore that there's better to come. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm gonna go for a nine. Okay. Which is a surprise, because before this I thought I would give it a ten, but I'm only going for a nine because I just think there's I. The first act happens a little bit quicker than I remember. And I think it happens a little too quickly, only slightly. I think I was kind of caught between the animation looking like it was of its time or just not looking that great compared to what's come afterwards. And yeah, and yeah, just a nine, just a solid nine. It feels bigger when you were a kid than it does now. And they do it, they still do it. It feels different. It's still like, it's still excellent. And I still... I still love it, and I still think it's amazing, and... I feel kind of sorry for it, because had we not seen 2 and 3 yet... Exactly. If yeah. we were in a place mm-hmm. where we were all seeing this for the first time, I think we would all think it was entirely whole and perfect. Oh, yeah. This um, is a question I wanted to ask, that is maybe... Sorry, Rob, were you done, are you done with your rating there? Um, kind of, yeah, it's just that... I, I mean, I think it's fantastic, and, like, you know, I was kind of expecting, just because I grew up with it, just to kind of give it a 10, but I think Toy Story 2 was better yeah. and there are things wrong with this they're only very slight but there are things wrong with it mm. and that's that really mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to ask that obviously we know that it gets two fantastic sequels if we were to try and put that out of our heads if we could we've just seen this as a film on its own we haven't watched the others yet Obviously, we live in an era now where everything gets a sequel. Every Pixar film is getting a sequel. Having watched this on its own, does it actually merit a sequel, do you think, to look at? Would you be wanting a second well, one? Because I, I never really horrified. had enough time as a kid to think about, is there going to be a second one? It just it, kind of Well, I think we were horrified because films, films that had sequels, the sequels were rubbish. Mm. There had never been a good sequel. and Nobody wanted one. And then when it came and we had to go and see it because you were all little and wanted to see it, you didn't know that all the other sequels were rubbish. Mm. And we went to see it and we were blown away by it. it was probably, I'm sure it was the first one where the sequel was as good as and probably better than the original. Well, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I, th- I think... Is that a there sequel? Are very few. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, there are, there are very, but yeah, very few sequels. I, I do yeah, it's not like it's, Star Wars two, if you know what I mean. The whole Star Wars thing has passed me by. I'm sorry. Well, that, and that, I've, that been, is, I've been well, there since the beginning, and no, 
But the, 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 the two classic examples that everyone seems to name as the two sequels that are better than the originals is The Empire Strikes Back and Toy Story 2. Some people say The Godfather Part 2 as well, but I don't really know. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any of those. Yeah. It's very good. It's, it's very, very good, but it doesn't do anything that the original also doesn't do. Oh, They're wow. both as good as each other. To answer your question about whether it warrants a sequel, obviously it ties up the plot really well, and so you could very happily leave this as a film on its own, but it creates a lot of... Um, themes and questions of abandonment and um, being replaced and all those interesting topics, which are very easy to pick up on a film, because all you need to do is have the child grow up, which is yeah. exactly what happens in the next films. Um, well, this is... The, I mean, I was thinking that at the end of Toy Story 2, the last scenes where Woody and... Buzz, I know we haven't done Toy Story 2 yet, so I won't go too far into it, but the last scene of Toy Story 2 when Woody and Buzz are having a chat... And last time I watched it, I remember thinking, this is very clearly setting up Toy Story 3. The, the messages in Toy Story 2 and the last scenes very clearly set it up. I don't feel like, other than the, oh, he's got a puppy, I don't feel like there is an obvious setup for a sequel here. No, no the, pu- the puppy was merely to unite um, Buzz and Woody with a yeah. common, common enemy, really. Mm. Or alleged enemy. You just met Scud. Yeah, and yeah, that- yeah. That that was an end, and that was that was their future. They were going to fight the dog, and that was where you left it. But the sequel isn't about that. No, it isn't. You, yeah, no. you've also got to remember this is the first film by a fledgling studio that um, is still running on its own, doesn't have that much money to be invested yeah. in, and is relying entirely on new technology. So they have to tie this film up and make it seem like it's not going to have a sequel, because if it flopped, they wouldn't have done it anymore. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Rob? Do you think do you think it, this looks like something that was going to get a franchise? Oh, it's hard to tell. Um, just because I know that it does. Um, I think I would have liked more. I think I would have liked to have known more about um, Woody because he's kind of it's established throughout the film that he's like the one of his kind. There is nobody else like him, and I would like to know why. Well, in the in the other two, I think Woody is more clearly the main character in the other two than he is in this one. Yeah, I would say, and we do learn more about Woody in the other two films. Yeah. Well, particularly in two. Yeah, it's uh, it's not explained or explored, is it, in the first film? But we know that in two, uh, where the Woody's roundup and everything, where they find the, the the black and white. Yeah, it's um, basically like it's, like it's like a Woody origin story, mm. essentially. Number two, early examples of marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to drop it, unless anyone yeah. else says. No, I think that's it. I can't wait to watch Toy Story too. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, you know, not got long to wait. <laughs> but you know, we'll be back and we'll have different guests next time. It's Jay, right? Yeah, we've Smith. got uh, my friend Jay, who's coming down from York, and um, we believe Nord we York. also have the return of Nor, don't we? For yeah, we do have the return of Nor for what we go see about my check. Well, <laughs> somebody told me there was a check. It's in the post. <laughs> yeah, all right. Always in the post. Yeah, we're back with the book's life. Yeah. <laughs>